everyone, welcome to Mellow Cat's Expert Chat, where we will help you upgrade your cat's lifestyle. Remember, like since 2000 or something early 2000, I can't remember the exact date. There was a campaign that's called Adopt, Don't Shop. And everyone still talk about it to this day. It's one of those things that kind of just became like a descriptor, a phrase, a call to action. So this is a movement that promotes adopting pets from shelters rather than buying them from breeders or pet stores. We will get a little bit deeper into the situation of shelters as we talk about that concept. But you're probably going to wonder, how does this all relate to the common cat problems that we have at home? Because many of these problems that cat parents face at home, such as destructive behavior, litter box issues, aggression, it can be all traced back pretty much to a lack of proper socialization, a lack of proper care in a cat's life, along with a bunch of other stuff. Adopting a cat from a shelter, yes, it could provide a home for a homeless cat. That is correct. While a lot of things we can do can lower the risk of these problems, but how do you do it is a million dollar question. So today we will be looking at the advantages of adopting and how to properly take care for these kitties and how you can get involved in the adopt don't shop habit movement campaign, whatever you call it. So today we have Dr. Marcy Koski. Hey, hey, thanks for being with us today. Hey, Melody. Thanks for having me. Thank you. (laughs) So before we start, I'm going to introduce you a little bit to our audience so that they know a little bit about what you do and just the whole background and experience, because I know you've done a lot of things in the cat industry. So just going to get started here. Dr. Koski is a certified feline behavior and training consultant in Vancouver, Washington in the United States. Now, she has a PhD in fishery and wildlife biology from Colorado State University and has a career as a biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service for over 10 years, where she worked towards the conservation and recovery of threatened and endangered species of all types. More power to you. That's really admirable work. While conservation is very important, she did not enjoy working for an agency where science was overruled by, as you probably know it, politics. And so in 2014, Dr. Koski earned specialized and advanced certificates in feline training and behavior from the Animal Behavior Institute and established her cat behavior consulting business, Feline Behavior Solutions. I like that name, by the way. It really sticks with people. Pretty self-explanatory, right? Yeah, it pretty much is. The only drawback of it is that I think people think that they have to have a problem in order to talk to me, but they really don't. If you love your cats and you want them to have a better life, I want to talk to those people too, because Mm. I learned something new from each client. And I love it when I get to share ideas with cat people and they can give me new ideas. But really, it's just really about educating people about how to give cats what they need in life. Absolutely. You know, in Hong Kong, there's a term. It's called a poyut. It means it's those helpers that's helping new moms that have zero experience. They're freaking out. They're tired. They just had a baby. They don't know how to make the formula. They don't know how to bathe a baby. So you hire an experienced mom, usually their grandmas already. And they come into your house, they reside there for the first month after you have a baby to teach you the SOPs, the protocols. They take care of you, they cook for you, and they, in the meantime, they show you how to take care of your baby. 
So I think. So am I like a cat puyu? Puyu? Yeah. In a way, yes. We're like the experienced moms <laughs> that go to people and show them how it's done from our experience. I think the name feline behavior solutions, it doesn't exactly sound like it's like a problematic thing. The reason why I say that is, you know how in IT companies, they always say it's like an IT solution, but then people right. in the industry know that the IT solution includes the preventative part of things too. Yes. Cats, I knew they always had a very special place in your heart. And you currently have four senior kitties who supervise your day-to-day -day activities. Samantha is the matriarch and she's 14 years old. And my husband rescued her before he met me. Ooh. And when he got her, she was actually pregnant. So she had kittens and he ended up keeping two of those kittens. So we also have Momo and Oliver Ooh. and they're, we call them the kittens still, but they're 13 years old and gigantic. Wow. <laughs> so it's Samantha, Oliver and Momo, and they're all three related. So in addition to having your own business, I know that you're also involved with the local rescue community in the Southwest Washington. So for everybody that's in the audience, Americans, <laughs> Yes, and she's a member of board of directors for Furry Friends, which is a no-kill cats-only rescue. And you volunteer as their cat behavior expert who address concerns both in the halfway house and before and after cats are adopted. And yeah. I know that you also work with the Humane Society for Southwest Washington, where you help connect the under-socialized cats with inmates at a nearby minimum security prison. I think a lot of us have been looking at some of the videos online that talk about similar programs, but we don't know that much about it. I know you also visited the prison what, every two weeks to teach your inmates about mm -hmm. cat behavior and help them socialize the cats with whom they live until the cats were socialized. And the cats were then adopted out to their forever homes through yep. the Humane Society. And I know your primary mission for the feline behavior solution is to keep the cats in homes and out of shelters. And you believe that the number of cats who are abandoned and or euthanized in shelters can be significantly reduced if the guardians better understand how cats work and how to better meet their needs in a way that makes pretty much everybody happy, like a win-win situation. Right. And right. I, what makes you happy is that when you're able to help people around the world have better, more fulfilling relationships with their kitties and to help those cats have a better quality of life. So it seems like a lot of things, but all those things are quite related, isn't it? Yes, it really is. Because you, you talk about people kind of come to me as a last resort. I hear mm. it all the time. You're my last resort. Otherwise, I'm going to have to euthanize or give this cat to the shelter or rehome them. And what I do is work with those people to find out why the cat is doing what they're doing. So it's a lot of sleuthing and asking a lot of questions. And then it's educating people to be able to give the cat what they need. A lot, right. it's not usually a cat problem, it's a people problem. So, because the cats really are just reacting and responding to the environment that they've been given. Mm. But the ultimate goal is to repair the relationship between the cat and the people mm. so that the people can live with their cats and everybody's happy and nobody has to go to a shelter. Yeah. Because depending on where you live in the world, some shelters have better live release rates than others and mm. uh, shelters are a stressful place for cats. 
And I think that a lot of so-called behavior problems, if people understood cats better, it wouldn't be a problem. So yeah, it's just a matter of education. Oh, absolutely. So before I start interrogating with all of the questions that that I've drafted up, can you tell us a little bit more about the prison program and how that kind of ties with the shelters? Because you mentioned earlier how the inmates would socialize these cats so that it becomes adopted, right? So can you maybe tell us how those three things relate and tie together so that we have a better picture? Right. Right. So this was a program that was started by the Humane Society for Southwest Washington. And I started off volunteering for them, but then they hired me as the consultant to improve their prison program. It was one of the first, if not the first, humane society in the United States to have cats up in prisons for inmates. And the program existed before I got there, but I helped to kind of overhaul that program by developing content and learning modules for the inmates. So what would happen is cats would be surrendered to the shelter, right? So you'd have cats that were hard to handle, either by Humane Society staff, like they would be aggressive or extremely fearful, so they would act defensively or get aggressive, bite, scratch, those types of things, or just completely withdraw. Right. So... These were cats that we couldn't just put out on the adoption floor because they were not ready to be adopted. So these cats, they had to meet certain criteria. They would be taken to the prison Hmm. where they lived with, I think the maximum, it was 20 people in the program at a time. And the way that worked was two inmates would share a room So one of the benefits to the inmates was that they got to have a two-person room instead of living in a dormitory with a lot of people. So it would be two guys per room, and then they would live with this cat until the cat was properly socialized, could be handled, and met specific criteria. And then the cat would graduate, essentially, and go back down to the shelter and get adopted out to a forever home. And Mm. a new cat would be delivered up to those guys to be socialized and do the process all over again. Huh. In that program, initially, did people sign up because they love cats or is it because they wanted a diverse in room? So that was part of one of the one of the issues that we had. We had some fantastic guys in that program who loved cats, loved animals. There was also a dog program that started after the cat program. And we did have people who applied to be in that program who just wanted an easy way to fulfill their work detail requirement Mm, right? um, or who wanted to be in semi-private room. But we were able to review all the applications and we were like, ah, this guy, I don't think he really. (laughs) And so we were able to get certain people in and even guys who may not have loved cats initially definitely became cat people. That's Yeah. Yeah. And it was a lot about learning responsibility, caring for something other than yourself and being able to take a journey of rehabilitation for a cat. And so with a cat 
And so it really not only just helped the cats, but it really helped the the participants of the program as well. People make mistakes and they end up in prison for all sorts of reasons. But we saw a lot of good things come out of these people. Some of them were not great, but we didn't have any cats abused. There were maybe a couple of instances where some of the guys were concerned about somebody else's cat. And so they would tell us and we would kick the people out of the program if there were any concerns about the safety and health of the cats. They were very well monitored. And we had leaders in that program who told us what was going on and we dealt with it. Wow. I like how it self-regulates too. That is, wow. I, I Now I'm starting to paint a better picture, but that's what that's why I was asking. I was like, I'm quite sure that some of the guys got converted to liking cats, even if they initially didn't. So that confirms what I was thinking. So going back to that journey that you were talking about. So when the cats yeah. graduated and they, they hand them to the shelter, do the people and the cats just keep circulating? So does that mean they'll have a new batch of cats and a new batch of people that's going to take care of them? Is that how it works? No, the people stay in the program for as long as they want to be in the program or unless they got released from Mm. the prison. So if their release time came up and they got released, Mm. but we had pairs of guys who had worked with 15, 20 cats. And so we had people who are really well-versed in cat behavior and were really good at socializing and understanding the cats that went up there. Wow, that's really impressive. So after they're done, they graduate. And then so the cats move on. And then I guess the humans would just take care of a new batch. Then how does that kind of work all together with the shelters? So I guess, is that kind of like a continuous program where specific shelters would just keep bringing in cats, incoming cats from shelters? socialize, go back to the same shelter and then to the new parents? It was the same shelter. So it was, it. at first, I think when the program started, there were two shelters involved, but then it came, it went to one shelter. It all came down to one shelter. The Humane Society for Southwest Washington is a fairly large shelter. Mm. And that's where all the cats came from. Sometimes there weren't enough cats And I know sometimes like during kitten season, we would not have enough fosters Mm -hmm. at the shelter to take care of a mom and her kittens. Yeah. Or somebody would find a whole litter of kittens and didn't have a mom. So we would Mm -hmm. also bring litters of kittens up to the shelter, newborns, so that they'd have to be bottle fed. And so guys took care of those kitties too. Um, and yeah, it was just, it, it kept them busy. It kept them busy. Oh, a lot of guys were like, oh, this will be such an easy gig. I don't have to do work or whatever. Oh no, we had them keeping notes. We had them filling out forms. We had them taking trainings. It was, we wanted details on it's what was happening. a lot of work. Newborns? Easy? Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a very interesting point that you mentioned. Is, is that you hear that in families, sometimes even in my own, where my dad is, ah, come on, taking care of kids are easy. Long story short, he said that to my mom's face when I was born, I was her child. So my mom brought a ticket to Europe, didn't come back for a month and said she left enough diapers and enough formula at home where he can take care of everything. He started screaming by the second day, begging my mom to come back. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. So I, I think it's great. It's a great win-win situation for everybody. And yeah. a lot of times for these newborn kittens, a lot of shelters are not willing to take them as well, especially in some of the regions where I've been in because they end up dying or they just don't have the resources to take care of them overnight or whatever. And it's yeah. great that the inmates are willing to take up the this newborn dad roles. It's not easy. Lose I don't know if they had a house. choice, but I think so. <laughs> oh, it's a sign to them. It's but if they sign up to, to the program, yeah. then it ends up on their lap one day. It's a good yeah. way to lose weight, if anything. From my experience, I lost, Man. I'm like a hundred pound person. I lost 13 pounds from taking care of a newborn that was wow. injured. Yeah. Wow. Not a healthy way yeah. to lose weight, but yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. I remember the guys like complaining, oh, these kittens, when they get so many weeks old, they're just everywhere and climbing all over everything. These guys had vertical space in their rooms no they, way. so they had cat shells and cat trees and all sorts of stuff and that they would build for the cats and i remember some of the guys just being like god these kittens are just keeping us up at night we can't get <laughs> welcome to the world of being a dad yep <laughs> so now you mentioned about the prison program how it works with the shelters now let's go into the common problems, because we touched on what well, we talked about the first two, but we just touched on the third one. I guess it all ties because adopting is nice. Being a newborn's dad is nice. But as you mentioned, sometimes people just can't anticipate having these problems. We first probably thought it's so easy until it's an execution. So let us take, let us just go through this whole journey of the household funds and not so fun stuff. So Let's start with the light one. What is the journey of the feline behavior interventions from your experience? When people come to you, your clients, like what kind of problems do they run into? And is there like a formula? Is there common things that you see? Is there any common pain points? Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah. Like I said before, usually when people contact me and they're, we hear this phrase all the time. We're at our wit's end oh, yeah. and I'm like, oh no. So the relationship is already damaged. The people don't know what to do. There's mm. lots of conflicting advice on the internet. They may have tried things. They may not have tried things, but basically the cat is doing something. It's trying to meet a need in one way. The only way that they see that they can meet that need and that way is not acceptable to the humans. Right. So the very first thing that I discuss with clients is, okay, what is your goal? What is your end goal? What would you like out of this? And I think some people expect, oh, well, I'm paying you. So mm -hmm. just by doing that, the problem should be resolved. And me, most of my, I work with people all over the world, so I can't go to everybody's house. And mm. My job is to tell cat guardians how to resolve the issue and why it's an issue in the first place. And so I have to kind of break it to people that there's actual work involved in this. So I have to get a feel for how much they're willing to work. Mm. And that will guide me in terms of, okay, do we need to take like baby steps and measure small successes? Or mm. is this a person who's all in? gung-ho, wants everything, and will get started right away and just dive right in. Mm. So I have to measure where people at are at in terms of their frustration level and their anxiety 
and how well are they going to be able to work through any kind of program that we give them. And they have to have realistic expectations of their cat. That's sometimes people like a litter box placement, for example. Mm. Sometimes it's just incredibly, I do not want a litter box in my living room. That is not going to happen. That's where I draw the line. No litter box in my living room. Not going to happen. Yeah. What else do you have? And I'll say, look, I highly recommend that you have a litter box in your living room because this is the problem you're having. I don't know if you'll be able to see success without this. We can try X, Y, and Z, but it might come down to having a litter box in your living room. Yeah, It's almost like some people expect me to have a magic wand. Yes. Like, yes. oh, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. What else do you have? Oh, what else do you have? What else do you have? Oh, I saved the easy stuff for later. <laughs> Let me get the easy stuff out for you. Mm, it's, yeah. It can be a little frustrating in that sense. But that's why I try to figure out where people are on the scale of open to trying new things mm. or not open to trying new things. Absolutely. Yeah. When you said that, I, I was like, yes, somebody understands. Because that's something that only people on our side would understand. For example, just make a long story short, yesterday I was at a client's and I was making assessments because they already damaged the relationship between the new cat and the existing cat by not properly introducing them. So the resident cat is okay, just really playing really rough, like really, really rough. And the new cat was already horrified to the point that it was panting. And I'm like, oh. I don't know what kind of damages you've done already by just tossing her in the house. So when I went in to assess, they too thought I had like a magic pill that they can swallow it. And boom, suddenly tomorrow it's going to be great. They're like, it's going to take it what so at least a month from your experience. I'm like, if you're lucky, that's, I can't tell you exactly 30 days, but just generally I, from my yeah. experience, you should expect to see X, Y, Z, even a little bit by this point in time. But I need your compliance. The homework that I give you, I need the two of you to work diligently. And then so their interpretation was, okay, I'll do this once a day. I'll socialize them together once a day under supervision. I'm like, no, the more you do it, the faster you're going to get there. Just like you spending time with your kids. If you want your kids to bond with you, you can't do quality family day once a year and expect the best results. It's going right. to do its own thing, but it'll, I could tell you it's yeah. going to be a lot better if you do it 365 days a year and multiple yeah. times a day, which is called quality life with your family. So they, it yeah. took them a while to grasp that and even to get both of them on board with the idea, not the easiest. So I do feel your pain, but at the same time, it's so rewarding when, it, when you get that compliance and when it works, right? I have had some of the most amazing clients who have, they worked with their cats for a year. Mm. And then I hear from them and they're like, we're there. It's going great. And we're doing it. It took a long time, but we're there. We're finally there. And I'm like, yes. Yes. So they, I have clients who are in it for the long haul. And sometimes it takes a year because- You don't know. Every cat is different. Every cat is different. Just like people. They have different personalities. They have different backgrounds. They have different experiences. Mm -hmm. And when they come into your house and you expect certain things out of them, Mm. that may or may not line up with what they have. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. sometimes adjustments take longer for some cats. And that's okay as long as their people are willing to work with them. Yeah. And I always say, as long as that progression, it's a line that is trending upwards overall. Yeah. It might be like this kind of trending upwards. It's still Absolutely. okay. The overall direction, as long as it's not plummeting in the long run, that's still a win, no matter how steep or not steep it is, just as long as it's going I, in that direction. I 100% agree. And I tell my clients that all the time. I do the same thing. I'm like, if it's slow, as long as it's going up, we're okay. If you're going like this, that's fine. You're mm-hmm. going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. What we don't want to see yeah. is this. Yeah. Same. Because, I always explain like the yeah. stock market. Don't look at the yes. micro. Look at the macro. Is it gaining right. in the long run? If it is, then you're doing the right thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, you touch and a Some steps bit. take yeah. longer than others. So of course. Of course. Be patient with that too. Oh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's yeah. just a way to have our clients just help us help them. I think that makes the biggest difference. Sometimes it's not the problem itself. It's when they're trying to fight it. Like, just please don't fight me. Let me prove to you that this is right. But (laughs) going back to what you said, when you talk about just the expectations, having healthy expectations, how about exceptions? I think that's something that people have to be aware of. Some people wonder, are they the exceptional case or are there some things that are not fixable by us? Yes, I am a behavior consultant. Mm. I'm not a veterinarian. And as we know, medical conditions can absolutely 100% affect behavior. Similarly, nutrition issues. If a cat is deficient in one way or another regarding nutrition, that's something that I can't necessarily diagnose Mm -hmm. or fix. Yeah. A lot of behavior issues are environmentally based or based in socialization issues. But, and that's what I can help with. Yeah. But I do see a lot of cases where I'm like, I know that your veterinarian said that everything looks good and your cat is fine. Your cat is still meowing when she's Mm. using the litter box and nothing is coming out. This cat needs to go back to the vet. Mm. So there are definitely times when I'm like, there's a pain issue here. There's something going on medically that we need to explore. So I'll send people back to vets all the time. Um, And a lot of times I love working with vets and sharing what my observations have been and what I've recommended. Vets find that very helpful. And yeah, it's I'm happy to work with vets in that respect. And I think that's the most effective as well, because it's never all yours or all my responsibility. We kind of work together and sometimes we help catch things just on, on both sides, just watching out for one another. That reminds me of an experience that I had with one of my earlier clients is the cat was refusing to use the litter box. Well, very young cat. So it's not like it has joint problems or whatnot. No UTI. The health records come out clean. And guess what? It turned out the cat was always leaping with it, one of its hind legs on the edge of the litter box, but the litter box is big enough. They tried different sizes, lid, no lid, top loader, just normal box. Right. And guess what right. the culprit was? It's a splinter that is from the wood litter they were using, got in the wow. middle of one of the claws. And it was in pain when it was squatting. So it kept keeping one of its legs on the edge of the box. So it's not standing God. on the claw. 
Who yeah. would have ever guessed that? <laughs> it's not a medical I've problem. Had clients, <laughs> yeah. I've had clients where the cat had a sprained foot or even a broken bone. Mm. And the clients didn't know, but I was like, there's something going on. Yeah. I had a, I actually, I consulted with a veterinarian. She mm. reached out to me for help with her cats. Right. And one of them, there was some other things going on with this cat, but I was looking on the video and I was like, this cat is really twitchy. Mm. And based on what was happening, I was like, have you thought about feline hyperesthesia for this cat? And she was like, oh my God, I'm so glad you saw that. I would have never have you thought see about the skin that. Rolling, right? but that makes a lot of sense. He was very twitchy, mm. very twitchy. So not necessarily the rolling. Oh, so even worse. Two of my cats really just that. Yeah. Out of nowhere, yeah, they would be really like. Twitchy. But then it's from the smallest yeah. triggers that we don't even know what it is. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I was talking so, about that. Anyway, I mean, like. Podcast. It, yeah. A lot of people don't know about it. Yeah. I, a lot of vets don't know what it is. I have talked with lots of clients and I'm like, have you asked your vet about feline hyperesthesia? And, oh, yeah, I did. But my vet doesn't know what that is. And I'm like, what? <laughs> From my understanding, I, that's a heightened reaction to just normal or regular stimulus. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times it's dermatological. My understanding is that something will trigger the nerves to transmit a pain signal. Mm -hmm. And so the cat is feeling pain mm -hmm. when there's nothing no, actually. It's like an overreaction and, to benign right, things. Right. And so then they get aggressive to whoever's around because it's kind of like redirected aggression because there's pain and I need to like fight this thing off what's causing me pain and then there's a human right there yeah or another you're, animal you're talking to whatever. that human that black cat yeah. that I was talking about Sir yeah. Carlos he has that and when he's triggered whatever that stimulus is he would attack the closest weakling by biting her ankle for two seconds kick it really hard draws blood and he will run yeah. off and that weakling is me it's always it's always me. It's not my other cats. It's always me. And I asked yeah. I asked my vet before. They're like, yeah, we've seen cases like that where they pick on the closest weakling. So the one that they think has the lowest rank in the house that they can bully on, mm. they usually do it to that one. And it seems like you're yeah. the one with the lowest rank in the house. Oh well. <laughs> that leads to my next question: Is what are some of the common behavioral problems that cat parents? seek help for? And what are some possible causes for these issues? Because I think you mentioned some of them. How about the other ones? Was it like soiling, other behavior yeah. attacks, et cetera? So I'd say probably 75% of my clients right now are mm. dealing with inner cat aggression. Ooh. So this is like where cats weren't introduced properly or Maybe there was an incident of redirected aggression and things just haven't been the same since or just anything where the cats are not getting along. And so that's the majority of my clients. I do get a lot of clients coming to me for house soiling issues <laughs> and there's often overlap. So a lot of the cases where we're dealing with multi-cat families and cats aren't get, getting along there's also house soiling in those issues, in those cases too inner cat aggression and house soiling are two big ones but then there's other things like just destructive behaviors cats are shredding furniture or they're exhibiting nuisance behaviors like getting up on counters or mm -hmm. excessive vocalization during the night or constantly begging for food or 
whatever the case is. Those are those are fun because it involves some training mm-hmm. for the people as well. And I love teaching people about training mm-hmm. and how it's really about providing the cat with an alternative way to express that necessary behavior. Oh, yeah. But giving them a way to do that works for the cat. And then you reward them for doing that. And then eventually the undesirable behavior expression will die off because they're not getting rewarded for it. So it's all about positive reinforcement. I talk about clicker training when it comes to a lot of stuff. Anyway, those are probably the main behavior issues that I deal with. So you mentioned about training, how we talked about some people don't like that word. There's misconceptions about it. They don't want to be trained. They don't want the cat to be trained. But as I said, it's not like we're making anyone jump through fire hoops and it's not like the training. It's like military drill or whatnot. So what can you tell us more about the misconceptions about cat training and how can the parents effectively, air quotes, train their cats? So here's what I here's what I like to think about. Mm. It's really a mindset that people need to take. For example, you the human species has worked with dogs for thousands of years, tens of thousands of years. We've trained dogs to do a lot of things, not just tricks. Obviously, we've trained dogs to protect us and to hunt for us and do all sorts of things that aren't mm. just trick related, but to display good behavior and things that we want them to do. Now, humans have gotten spoiled because dogs are really easy. Yes. Dogs, their whole deal is, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. What can I do for you? Mm-hmm. I know you have a treat, but that's okay. I don't really care about the treat. What can I do for you? All I yeah. want to do is please my person. So what can I do for you? Yeah. Now, cats, on the other hand, cats, I personally think are a little bit smarter than dogs. Cats, we have to, cats are a little bit more challenging because Instead of the cat going, what can I do for you? The cats are like, I could do that, but what's in it for me? Mm. So the key to training, in my opinion, with cats is finding something that they are willing to work for. And not all cats are food motivated. So we have to find other things. Yes. When we have a cat who is food motivated, that's great. That's easy. Okay. Got it. We can work with that. No problem. But I work with lots of cats who aren't food motivated. So we have to find something that they do. And that can be petting and affection. It can be praise. Some cats respond very well to praise. Some cats like toys and having stuff tossed for them. It's not always easy. Mm. But we have to find that thing that the cat is willing to work for. Oh. Yeah. And once we find that thing... Then it's simply a matter of teaching a cat, okay, I'm going to give you a signal. And when you hear that signal or see that signal, Mm. if you're working with a deaf cat, which I've done, it's a predictor of a reward. Yes. And then, so it's that easy. And so I use clicker training a lot, Mm. especially in introductions. So repairing inner cat relationships, I use that a lot. Mm. I even use clicker training with litter box issues. Now, what I do with clicker training might be a little bit different than other people, what they do with clicker training. For me, I don't use a clicker. I use a tongue click. 
Oh. And for me personally, I like having my hands free. Plus, like, I found when I was using a clicker, a lot of cats were scared of that sound initially. But it also was an extra step. It had to go, the signal had to go from my eyes to my brain, down to my hand. And then I had to, like, even if it was on me, I had to get it and then click. And by then, the cat could have done any number of things between the desired behavior that I wanted to reward and the click. What the goal is to make that click sound happen as soon as possible after that behavior occurs. Mm -hmm. And it buys you time. It tells the cat, yes, a reward is on its way. A reward is on its way. Yes. So that click marker, I always call this non-clicker, non-training, clicker training, because technically what I'm doing is just conditioning the cat to understand that the click means a reward is coming. And that's really what it is. So for introductions, for example, I use the click sound to mark neutral interactions. If cats walk past each other without hissing or growling, you can Mm. click and reward that. Yeah. Or if cats get together, they sniff noses Mm. and everything is calm, click and reward that. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's not training because I'm not asking a cat to do anything. It's simply marking a behavior when it happens and telling them, yes, that's what I wanted. You get a reward for that. Oh, it goes unnoticed. It's kind of that fanfare that people play in events. And when you hear that fanfare, he's going to walk through those doors. Or when that fanfare comes up, some special guest is going to go on the stage. It's that same conditioning as well, isn't it? We're quite tuned to that. Exactly. I love it so much. Non-clicker, non-training clicker training. Oh, I'm, yeah. go- I'm going to tell everybody about that. That is way too cool. That is way too, I'm going to make that a slogan. And that rolls off actually okay. I like that. And it, it's really, and it's really easy. You tell people, okay, we're going to talk about clicker training. And they're like, they're a cat? Oh my gosh, this is going to be so hard. And I'm like, no, first of all, we're not going to use a clicker. And second of all, we're not going to technically be training. Mm-hmm. So just relax. It's easy. I think it's a great conversation opener, too. It's I want that bean and rice burrito without the bean and rice. Ma'am, then what do you want? I want a burrito. Really? Seriously? Yes. Really? Yes. 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 So you can think of that click sound just as another way of saying, yes, hang Mm. on, your reward coming. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can use whatever the cats like for rewards. So Mm. if it's treats, great. You can use petting, praise. Brushing, yep. anything whatever they like. cats can yep. be considered a reward. A few of my cats aren't even food motivated. One of my cat, her name is Blue Cat, but it's an orange cat. She likes being brushed so much, and that is her reward. If there is a fire, knock on wood, at home, the fastest way to call her to come to me is to just grab the brush and say, "Brushy, brushy." Brush. Completely yep. agree with what you said. Now, yeah. yeah, that seems to be some of the top headaches, isn't it? Like. One of my clients that I was seeing this week, the first thing I I had to tell them to do after seeing their interaction for the first minute, I'm like, let's consider not screaming first when your cat tries to climb up your wife, because I I think just that act in itself, it's going to undo a lot of the good stuff that that I just talked about. So let's just try one baby step. (laughs) Yeah, I see that so much. It's the I think people don't really understand how our reactions affect our cats. Cat, our cats are extremely sensitive to our stress and anxiety, first of all. Mm. But then say you have two cats that aren't getting along and you 
fear that an interaction is going badly. So then you start yelling, clapping, squirting water at the cats. Each cat, they're just thinking, oh my God, when I get next to this other cat, these people start freaking out. There's loud noise. There's water. This other cat sucks. Yes, completely. So, you just mentioned those loud noise, clapping, spraying water. Yeah. Every time I hear that, well, just don't do that first because I'm like, no, I think it's, no, it's, no, a, no, it's no. a natural reaction for some people to react that way, but they don't realize that, okay, first cat's ears are like, what, 14 times more stronger than ours. So that clap, it's going to sound like a thunder to them. It's not only that, I think it's just the ambiance overall. They, a lot of people, you're right. They underestimate the power of the voice. As much as we like listening to the yoga teacher or the person that's chanting, it sounds very soothing. It's the same thing with their voice. The reason why I wanted to highlight that is because in my initial day job, but what, 16 years ago, I started as a voiceover artist and they taught me about how to use my voice in a way that children would like to listen to because I used to do English education material for storybooks for for yeah. children at the beginning and they're like it's the power of that voice if you can't if you can't convey it in your voice if you can't see it if you are not in winter wonderland if you're mentally not there how are you expecting these kids to be able to hear that and feel good and see the same imagery so now I think about it it's the same thing with our cats. If you're freaking yeah. out, they're freaking out too. Not because they should be, but they hear you freaking out. Right. Yeah. I always tell my clients like, okay, if the cats are near each other, don't even use what I call the warning tone. The warning tone, and I'm going to use Oliver and Momo as an example. Mm. Oliver, you be nice to your sister. Oliver, mm. you stop that. That's the warning tone. Yeah. So right away, he's on edge. What? Is there something... Do I need to, what? Do I need to be on guard? Instead, use a positive voice. Hey, Oliver, look who it is, Momo. Do you want to be friends with Momo today? That sounds great. Oh, look at you guys. The friendly voice. And then that puts the cats at ease, it lowers tension, mm -hmm. and it makes a huge difference oh, for cat interaction. Completely agree. And people say that too. I was talking to somebody and they said, it works on the boyfriend and husband as well. Yup. <laughs> yep. it, it's so much better when you say, honey, when was the last time you did the laundry? Or honey, did you want to do laundry tonight? <laughs> it's, it's two different worlds, isn't it? And, to, and it's the recipient of that. When I hear the second one, yeah, sure, I'll do laundry. Why not? At your service. Sure, sure. But same. Sure. The next thing is what are some of the common misconceptions that these cat parents have about their cat's behavior? And how could it be addressed? Because we just talked about what the problems are, but what are some common misunderstandings that people often have? I guess one is people applying human logics to right. cats. Yeah. So human logic is a big deal. And then it, it's just so funny what I hear people say sometimes, um, but I can't blame them. Cats are mysterious creatures. And be. I think for a long time, people have expected cats to act like small dogs. And they're just very different animals. Mm. But because of the mysteriousness of cats, they don't give up their secrets easily. And mm. it's taken us a long time to learn what we know about cats. So Absolutely. cats are not small dogs. Another thing is that anytime I talk about cat training, they're like, you can't train cats. You're going to try to train a cat? Yeah. 
I'm going to try to, I have trained cats. My, my cat, Abby, she can do lots of stuff, but it's not really about tricks. It's not about tricks. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's not even really about training the cat. Hmm. It's more about training people. It's more about training people. That's, there was another episode that we touched on that. And it's very true. A lot of people are opposed to that idea of either training cats or the person that's being trained. And we talked about that and we came to the conclusion that training is not the same as making cats jump through a fire hoop. It's just conditioning them to do things that makes life easier. And when people say, oh, I don't want to be trained. I'm like, how about your personal trainer at the gym? Don't they train you too? You pay them and you do it happily. But and that's overt training, whereas here it's like subtle training. Why is there suddenly so much pushback? And when people hear that, they start to laugh. They're like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we do get trained. It's like when you go to work, there's employee training. Did you have pushback? The thing is, people don't even realize that our cats have trained us to respond to them. Yes. In the way that they want. And they do. Humans get trained by cats all the time. Cats are master manipulators. <laughs> yes. And, com- um, and combined with the cute look, yes, recipe for exactly. success. More power to them. So exactly. So if they want something, they tell you, I want to be fed. I want to be fed. I want to be fed. They meow, meow, meow. And if you feed them, okay, now I stop meowing. And you're yeah. like, okay. So next time you hear the meow, you're like, oh, here's food. That cat just trained you. We can tell the meows apart too. Like the seasoned cat parent, we can tell the subtle differences in the meows in terms of what it is that they want. And you know what they say, right? Cats don't meow to each other in the wild. Right. When they're amongst like each other, when you have a cam on, you never, almost never hear them meow at each other. It's at you. Yes. Yeah. I know. They've learned to communicate with humans in that very specific way there's even differences in purring there's what's called the solicitation purr and that's like the feed me purr oh <laughs> i'm gonna get real purry and then you want to feed me <laughs> and then they give out rewards too they use positive reinforcement if you give them what they want a lot of times they'll purr and rub up against you and you're like oh that's so nice mm-hmm. so they just use positive reinforcement to get what they want too so cats they're smart we need to take a page out of their book oh absolutely if we could speak the same language and if we're in the parallel universe where cats are running their consultation in terms of how to train the humans i think they're a lot better because we don't even know that we're being trained exactly for the most part which is part of a very successful program which i think we should all be able to learn from And so now we talked about some of the misconceptions, right? As we said, a lot of times it's about the humans that play a role in it. Speaking of that, it's all about them responding to the environment that they've been given and that they've been treated. What are some tips that you can offer to new cat parents or existing cat parents that want to finesse their SOPs or their lifestyle for preventing behavioral problems from occurring in the first place? Because we know prevention is always better than cure. Is there some sage advice that you can give us in that department? Yeah. So I would have to say that probably the most important thing for cats is play sessions. 
Oh, the nasal cortex. Love it. Uh, so we have to remember that cats are both predators and prey animals, mm. and they require an outlet for those predatory instincts. And that that's at the core of their being. They are predators. If we do not provide them with those opportunities to be predators, they can be aggressive towards other cats, other humans in the household, small children, and out of play usually, but sometimes it can get serious of course. predatory aggression. But they can also get really bored and boredom mm -hmm. leads to stress. Stress can lead to destructive behaviors, house soiling, depression. So play, play is the most important thing and it has to be interactive play. Mm -hmm. I usually recommend a long wand toy, yes. changing up the lures every day or two just to keep things interesting. Cats don't want to hunt the same exact thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, you don't want to either. It's boring. No, no, it's really boring. So we need to change things up, give them that predatory experience where they can go through the four steps in the prey sequence. So staring, stalking and chasing, pouncing and grabbing, and then performing a kill bite and know that they will repeat that sequence over and over and over and over again. When they stop, they're not just bored and done. They've reset to that staring phase and they're like, yeah, yeah okay. You've got a broken leg now. <laughs> What's going to happen? Yeah, that's exactly what they look yeah. like. And they feel satisfied too in that process when they were sent back yeah. to that. It's like we we satisfied a quota. And it doesn't, and the benefit of that is that you're more like sprinters than long distance. So to reach yeah. that, it doesn't take that long. So I think it, it's a win-win. Right. We should use that to our advantage. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The other thing about play sessions too is that we want our cats to connect with that confident predatory side instead mm. of that insecure prey side. So if mm. you have a cat who is somewhat skittish or maybe even being picked on by another mm. cat, a lot of people think it's all about making that other cat not pick on the fearful cat. But a lot of it is bringing up that fearful cat confidence. Oh, yeah. So they stand up for themselves and go, hey, I'm a predator too. Mm -hmm. So keeping those pre-sequence play sessions can really help with that. Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. That reminds me yeah. of kids that get bullied by the bully. Instead of beating up the bully for them, teach your kid how to stand up for themselves. Yeah. Is it is the yeah. same? Yes. How yeah. about the other attributes at home? How about litter box? Do you have anything, any sage advice for that? Because a yeah. lot of people talk about the litter box in their cat parenting journey. So the litter box is a core resource for cats. One of the most important things for cats in terms of feeling territorially secure is the ability to leave their scent in their environment. Mm. And the litter box is a huge scent marker in the landscape. Even if you clean it out every day and it's immaculate, even if you can't smell it, your cats can smell their own scent in the litter box. It's what they do. And there are so many gimmicks on the market. I have so many different pet peeves about the pet market out there. Really, the best thing is a large, uncovered, open litter box with a fine-grained clumping litter that you can scoop out once or twice a day yep. to keep the litter box clean. 
cats evolved in a dry, arid environment with sandy soil. They want to be able to see around them so that they can make sure they're not going to get ambushed by predators. Hmm. So putting a hood on a litter box, especially one with lap or something that's really enclosed that creates a lot of ambush potential, it hides, it it keeps odor in there. It's like using a porta potty for a cat instead of a Hmm. nice spa-like environment that your cat wants. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why the litter box is super important, but simple is best. Do not train your cat how to use a flush toilet. Mm. Don't do it. It's a mistake. I tend to shy away from litter, like mechanized litter boxes, because in my mind, the most important thing is simply being able to monitor your cat's health. And mm-hmm. a lot of times the first sign we see of a problem in the cat's health, we notice a change in the litter box, which you're not going to notice if it's getting automatically done for you all the time. So, yeah, it's not, honestly, it's not that bad. People, like, dog people complain about, oh, cat litter boxes are so gross. It's way better than following your dog around with a poo bag and then having to pick up a warm, squishy that is that is so true that is so true i can't stress that dogs i love dogs but i would much rather clean a litter box than deal with me too that tactile feeling of grabbing warm poop through a bag yeah i do not like that i do not like that i don't mind (laughs) doing it but yes you're right if i have to pick between scooping and that absolutely scooping is a lot easier the last one in terms of the tips can you tell us a little bit more about the playtime you mentioned about the ones when you're interacting with them can't be home all the time right so it doesn't matter if you have one cat if you've got multiple cats are there some good types of toys that these cat parents should be looking into if they don't already have it at home i love okay so i said before interactive wand toys the longer the wand the better yeah in my opinion And that's going to help wear a cat out. Plus, it does get their mind going because they have to figure out how to catch that thing. But other things that provide cats with mental enrichment are great, too. So Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of food puzzles. And you can make your own food puzzles out of toilet paper tubes or Kleenex boxes or ice cube trays, whatever you have that you can actually put food in. Or little treats. You can even do things with wet food, like with ice cube trays or like a mug tipped on its side. You can smear the inside with wet food too. So there are lots of options out there for food puzzles. And then, of course, there's clicker training, which I love for cats. Um, And like we said, it's not just about tricks. Cooperative care is really important. And you can use clicker training to help with cooperative care and cooperative care is simply getting your cat to buy in to handling grooming yes going through the process of getting medications or injections for the cases and it can help vet visits go a lot easier Mm. or just brushing trimming nails can make that stuff a lot easier and that's all training based and just helping your cat understand what the process is and make it rewarding for them oh and tell them that they can walk away at any time. They just don't get the reward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When you mentioned about that, one of my cats, Burrito, he came from Malaysia. So long story short, he was rescued as an injured baby kitten, like I think less than 10 days old. 
and he was injured. So he had to frequent vets all the time. And I made it playtime to associate it with a place where he could get treats and funsies and then he get kisses yeah. and snuggles and everything. So for him, he looks forward to going to the vet because he knows that's where all the good stuff are. And the funny thing is all the subsequent cats that I had after him are not afraid of vets, despite the fact that they don't frequent vets like he does. And he, they don't go out nearly as much as he did. It's almost like oh, there was burrito. a briefing. Yeah, he burrito told them. him. Yeah. I'm not sure what Sorry. happened, but it's no coincidence because he, I had three other cats after him and it's the exact same thing. And even my resident cats got better at going to the vet. And I was like, how's that even possible? So it must be the new guy who came in and said, yeah, have you heard of that place? They're like, oh no, it's not like that. No, I could tell you all about it. I guess he did some <laughs> convincing. So yes, yes, that absolutely works. I, uh, we are the walking example. Now exactly. I want to elaborate just a little bit more on the topic when you said about intra-cat aggression. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about some steps that people can take to prevent further damage, further conflict? Because it's not one of those one-click solutions when it comes to cat aggression. Once it happened, it's quite a headache and there's multiple ways to get at it because there's multiple reasons, right? So can you tell right. us something about that? Okay, so we have to remember that for cats, everything in their world is related. Hmm. And what we want to make sure that we manage with cats is that their stress levels are low enough hmm. that they can deal with the stressor of being reintroduced or introduced to another cat. Correct. So I like to talk about the stress bucket. Okay. And different cats have different sizes of stress buckets. Mm. So some cats have really big stress buckets where no matter what you put in there, it's never going to fill up. That cat's just, hey, man, I'm relaxing. It's at the beach. Yay, come on in. I'm okay. I'm over here. If you need anything, just let me know. Mm. Other cats have like really tiny thimble-sized stress buckets. And if you look at them wrong, that bu that bucket's overflowing. That cat's peeing everywhere, mm. just doesn't know what to do with themselves. So what we want to do is make sure that there's plenty of room in each cat's stress bucket because introductions and relationships between the cats can be stressful. So we want to make sure that there's plenty of room for the stress to go up just a little bit when we work on introduction exercises. So that means making sure that each cat has, you kind of figure out where in the house each cat's territory is, especially if you've got them separated. And you want to make sure that each territory has their own set of resources mm. that cat does not have to compete for, doesn't have any stress around. Mm. So that means litter box setup, food, water, napping locations, perching locations. And it means that if you have this cat and their resources are over here, this cat doesn't have to go through this cat's territory to get to the, those resources. You want to make those resources easy and accessible, and that is going to keep their stress levels low in that stress bucket. Definitely. And then, so everything is related with cats. You have to make sure all those basic resources are taken care of and everybody's happy with them. And then you can move on to the introduction process. And my main goal with the introduction process is to minimize the potential for negative interactions happening. Hmm. So we have to manage all the interactions. So hmm. if your cats are playing footsies under the door and hmm. one of them is not ready for that, that, yeah, you need to get a draft stopper. 
so that the cats don't play footsies under the door when you're not around. Mm. So minimize the opportunities for negative interactions to occur and then build positive associations. So for every type of interaction, you pair it with something positive. So even if you're doing scent swapping and introducing the scent of another cat to another cat, Mm. you have to pair that with something good that the Mm -hmm. other cat likes. Um, and visual exposure is the same thing. You want to pair it with something positive. Keep interactions short and sweet at first and then mm-hmm. start to let them go longer and longer. Yeah. And then you can use positive reinforcement anytime there's a neutral interaction or a positive interaction. It, there's a lot of different ways of doing things, but those are the, those are kind of my general rules. Yeah. I like how you mentioned about how the resources, a lot of people don't really think about it that way. Reason being, I hear it from my clients all the time. Oh, but my cats can share a food dish. Oh, they can share a bed. I'm like, yes, I do understand that. That is, of course, that's a great thing. I'm not saying that you should stop them from doing it. But to some cats, especially in the beginning, when you're trying to introduce them, it's that perceived threat. Mm -hmm. It is that perceived competition. It is that perceived deprivation. It's if you right. go into a party, I was giving them an example. If you go into a party, there's a hundred people, but when you eyeball it, you can tell that the buffet can only serve 50. You feel this urgency to hoard food because it's only serving 50 and there's a hundred people. So you already know that right. there's going to be, dep- there's not going to be enough. But when they're serving so much food that even say 200 people can't eat it, then suddenly you're probably just going to be picking at a very slow pace, knowing that you will never have to compete and that your favorite food is not going to run out anyway. So you can just enjoy that experience. And once I made that example, they're like, oh, so that's what it is. I'm like, yes, the fact that they can share a bed and share a plate together is great. But you have to send the message that this is a great place for you to be at ease. It's just we don't know. It's interesting because I'll hear this from people a lot. Everything was fun. My cat loved their litter box. And then all of a sudden they stopped using it and started going over here. And I'm like, your cat did not love that litter box. It didn't just all of a sudden one day change his mind. (laughs) Your cat, and as cats get older, their stress bucket shrinks. So they have less tolerance for stressors. (laughs) So your cat started out not really loving the litter box setup. They put up And then every day it was more just, I'm going to gonna have to put up with this again and again really oh gosh this is getting really bad I really don't like this you know what I'm going over here so it was a process Mm -hmm. not I love this litter box and now I refuse to use it well but as humans it's hard for us to know if our cat loves something versus just tolerating so even though your cat can do something it doesn't mean they want to oh absolutely and that's why I always tell people to just give them variety. You don't know what they like unless you let them choose. If they have no choice but to mingle with you, that's because you're their only friend. What if you put other people in the house? What if you put other cats in the house? If they don't choose to mingle with you anymore, it's probably because there's better options. Right, right. If we just have to accept that. Okay, so now you mentioned about how to deal with these problems. Now, what are some of the common mistakes that people make when they're trying to correct their cat's behavior and how can that be avoided as i say prevention is better than cure this is not so much yeah the protocol itself but the execution of the protocol what are some common right. ones that you see so a lot of times punishment is used and we already talked about like the yelling clapping water bottle stuff 
for a cat to connect a behavior to a consequence, mm. that consequence needs to happen consistently and it needs to happen right when that behavior occurs. Red-handed. I think I read 1.3 seconds somewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that was from. But if you are consistently punishing your cat, like say you're using the squirt bottle, if you're doing that all the time, that is going to really erode the cat's relationship with that person. It's going to create fear, anxiety, and stress. And it's not really fixing the problem because obviously you're still having to use the water bottle on mm. this cat who's trying to meet a need. Like I said before, when we think about things like yelling, clapping, using the squirt bottle, scruffing, using shock devices, whatever it is, it's not the way to go. It often doesn't fix the root of the problem. And it just causes a cat to, instead of doing something in one location, do it in another location or away from your eyes. Mm -hmm. So punishment doesn't work and it can actually be really negative in terms of the cat's mental well-being and relationship with you. Mm -hmm. And so I always advocate for positive reinforcement. Like I said before, figure out a way that your cat can meet that natural behavior that they're trying to express mm. and reward them for doing that. Yeah. Using high perches if you don't want your cat to be up on the counter. Put a perch right next to the counter and reward them when they get up on that perch. Mm. Or scratching surfaces. If your cat doesn't like the scratcher that you've given it, use a different kind of scratcher and put it right where the cat is scratching that you don't want them to scratch and then reward them for using the scratcher. That's a much better way to go mm -hmm. because you're giving your cats rewards, which your cat yes. likes, and you're teaching your cat that they get rewards when they do this thing. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I see a lot of is human ego. Mm. And when we're talking about cats, we have to remember that cats are the superior being. And yeah. they're not. Yeah, that is the but simple, true fact. And a lot of times people take it really personally mm. when cats do things. Yeah. And we have to remember that cats do not act out of spite. They do not have a brain structure that allows them to plan. Oh, in response to this thing my human did a week ago, I'm still mad at them. So next time I'm going to do this. I'm going to poop on their bed. That'll get them. First of all, cats have a very different relationship with poop than humans do. Yeah. And so a cat is probably not going to be insulted that there's poop on the bed. Cats. Or pee for that matter. But cats do not have that ability to plan revenge tactics. Mm -hmm. They don't do that. Yeah. They are very in the moment. And we have to take our ego out of this because mm -hmm. cats can be extremely stubborn. And mm -hmm. in a battle of wills, your cat will win. Oh, all the time. And yeah. You just have to say, okay, I'm going to let it go. What, can, what else can I do instead of getting mad or punishing this cat? What can I do to give this kitty what he needs? Right. How do I make yeah. it right? Yeah. I think that is one of the toughest conversations I always need to have with my friends, with my clients, or just anybody that I'm providing education to. They always cringe and look at me. Do you know what you're talking about? Do you know what my cat did? I'm like, they're not wired to be like that. If they have a sense of jealousy or revenge, or if they keep tabs on things, just remember the last time when you force a pill down their throat and you're holding them down right. at the vet. If that was a human, you would never go back to that place. You would shred up the human if you can. But 
how many times have you taken your cat to do the same thing again? And you're still in one piece. I'm not saying that they love right. it, but they right. could shred you up if they really want to. So right. it's not like that. And when they say, oh, but they have jealousy issues. I'm like, think about it. If you have, if you don't speak the human language, you don't speak the cat human language and you're just a spectator, they're just reacting to certain things that's happening in the environment. It's not because they are afraid of X, Y, Z. It's because they're not getting what it is that they want. Something is not satisfied. It has very little to do with what you do with another cat because cats are those are those animals where they care more about rather their own needs are satisfied. They don't work together when they hunt. There's right, a very right, there, there's right. how many species of cats would hunt together? They're not a pack animal, so they're more like if I got my thing, there's only cool, one. Then I don't there's care. There's only one. But, right. If I'm not <laughs> satisfied, that is what I'm. That's what I'm afraid of. But once I'm satisfied, yeah, you guys could have. You guys could have the buffets and margaritas all you like. It doesn't matter because I had mine. That's what yeah. it is. That's what cats are. So people have yeah. a hard time wrapping their head around that. And that leads to the next thing that I want to talk about is how can cat parents help their cats adjust to changes in the environment? Because sometimes we move, we get new partners, new babies, new humans, new pets, or rearrange furniture. How can we actually make that better? Oops. Right. There goes, how could that make that, how can we make that better for our cats? So some cats are really easygoing and mm. they're like, oh, a new baby, great, bring twins, who cares? And they're like, oh, yay, more babies to play with, fantastic. Or, mm-hmm. oh, look at the puppy, I get to snuggle with that puppy now. Some cats are like that. Right. A lot of cats, most cats are not like that. Mm. And so what we want to do is help them adjust to a change preferably before it happens and get them used to certain things before the arrival of a baby or a new pet or even the process of traveling. So the way we help cats adjust to new situations Mm. or anything new or something that they might be afraid of is we want to expose them just a little bit at a time. And then we also want to pair that with something good that the cat's like. We talk about this in terms of counter conditioning and systematic desensitization. Okay. So the way I use counter conditioning or describe counter conditioning in this type of a scenario is Mm. that we pair a good thing with a bad thing to make the bad thing less bad and more good. For example, if you you have a cat who likes treats Mm. and you give a cat or throw cat treats into the cat carrier for the cat to find oh you're pairing cat treats with cat carrier the cat carrier might not be all that bad if it materializes treats every now and again not that bad right then we have systematic desensitization and you can think of this as just the volume knob on the level of exposure that you provide to cats so instead of just picking up your cat throwing them into a carrier and whoop, we're off to the vet. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to dismantle the cat carrier first. And we're going to put the bottom half down and put a nice little bed in it. And because we're counter conditioning, we're also going to put some treats on there. Mm. And then the cat learns, oh, the bottom of this cat carrier is really nice. It's a nice bed. I like hanging out in it. And then we're going to put the top on the bed mm. and we're going to do the same thing. Put more treats in there. The cat's already used to the bottom part with the bed in it. Now it just has the top part. So mm-hmm. now the cat's going to go in there. And then the last thing we're going to do is put the door on. Mm-hmm. And then the cat goes in there. And then you can even go further. You can 
close the door and open the door. And the cat's wait, that door was closed, but now it's open. So I'm okay. And then yeah. here's some treats. Right. And then you can close the door, pick up the cat carrier and put it right down, open up the door. Hey, this isn't so bad because I keep getting treats. Right. Um, and then, oh, I'm going to walk around the apartment or now I'm going to go out onto the street and then I'm going to come right back home. Or now I'm going to go for a ride in the car, come right back home. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to change that exposure gradient mm. and also combine good things with each level of exposure. Absolutely. If you notice right behind me, see under the table, it's <gasps> actually a cat carrier. That is a piece of the furniture at home. See how I put a wine crate that's right above it with their favorite blankies. Mm -hmm. They love wine crates. I don't know why. So I put, I found one that matches the size of the top of the carrier. The and carrier. what happens is that this is a permanent item at home. There's always yeah. treats. There's always toys. Every time I put catnip, it's in there. There's one in the kitchen and it just becomes part of my house. None of my yep. cats are afraid of going to the vet. To them, it's right. just, okay. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. Yeah. I have cat carriers all over my house. <laughs> that they use they just go in and it works and like you can magic. do the same yeah and you can do the same thing with, if you're expecting a baby or a, another animal you can like with a baby for example you mm. can start wearing baby lotion so mm. that your cat gets used to that scent you can also play youtube videos so that the cat hears baby sounds so not they can start off with giggling and laughing babies, but then you might want to play some sounds where the cat hears some screaming, crying babies. Just make sure your cat is okay with that and get your cat used to the furniture where the baby's room is going to be, all that stuff. And then moving, of course, you want to do that gradually over time. Yeah. And so it's just you basically use the same concepts anytime you want your cat to be involved with something new. It looks like that's it for the time today. I would love to have you coming back for a second episode to elaborate a little bit more on the whole experience and how to get along with our cats better, how to non-train, non-clicker, non-no no human, no nothing training, but still training everybody. And also, I really just want to say I enjoy the conversation so much and I learned a lot, Dr. Koski. It's excellent. And I just want everybody to know you have to understand that your cat's behavior is critical to your well-being and vice versa. So my website is felinebehaviorsolutions.com. And if you need behavior services or have questions about your cat, please reach out to me there. And I also have another consultant working with me. Her name is Leanna. She's amazing. And if you have any questions about what I've said today or want to learn more, please send me an email and you can reach me at hello at felinebehaviorsolutions.com. Wonderful. And behavior is without the, right? Because it's in the States. Without the you. Without yes. the you. Awesome. Without yes. The you. So now we have an additional resource in case anybody have any feline related problems, preventative or not preventative stuff. So please do remember that. And also remember understanding your cat's behavior is really important in giving another life on this planet the best life possible. And when you adopt one, you're actually saving two. So one one stone, two birds, but of course, don't hurt any birds. This is only, this don't is only just a saying. Yeah. <laughs> so remember to tune in next time. We'll talk about other topics with other speakers. And meanwhile, everyone, keep purring in the meantime. And if you're watching YouTube, remember, comment, subscribe, join our Discord community. 
And please do follow our socials on mellowcat.com for everybody else that is watching or listening. And until our next episode, everybody stay well, 